Hello, everyone. Thank you for checking out this episode of Really Dicey. This is Manny, and I'm here with... Hi, I'm Banana. Thank you so much again for having me. <laughs> Always a pleasure. <laughs> uh, uh, so, yes, today we're going to talk about uh, Jiangxi, Blood in the Banquet Hall, uh, a tabletop role-playing game. Um, how would you describe this game exactly? So... Jiangsha Blood in the Banquet Hall is a tabletop role-playing game uh, where the players are a family, they're a Chinese-American family or a Chinese-Canadian family uh, who are running a restaurant. And so in the daytime, you're running the restaurant and uh, it's also the 1920s. So you're faced with oppression and uh, all the you know weird things that come with running a small business in the daytime in the 1920s. And at night, uh, hopping vampires, uh, these energy-sucking vampires come out and and you have to fend yourself uh, from these supernatural horrors. Where did the idea for this game come from? I mean, you got you got the 1920s, you got you got a restaurant setting, and you got vampires. Uh, how <laughs> how did that all come together? Yeah, so uh, Senful Lim and I, we actually started working on this in 2018. So in 2018, uh, we started chatting. We were like, hey, let's let's start working together on something. And so we have a Google Doc where we just dumped like a whole lot of stuff onto. We were just like, here are all the things that we're interested in. And uh, one of them was connecting with our uh, with our Chinese American backgrounds uh, slash Chinese Canadian backgrounds. And so we wanted to make something that was like very close and very personal. And uh, something that we're both interested in was food, right? So we had spent a lot of time in restaurants, um, not necessarily like working at them because neither of us come from restaurant families, uh, but we were really interested in the idea of like, you know, maybe playing in that setting and uh, playing with something that we were both really familiar with. So that was one of the, the key elements to, to the game itself. From there, we sort of talked a little bit about like, uh, what was the history like? Like, why are so many people, why are so many Chinese people in uh, the States or Canada? Like, why is it such a prevalent thing for so many people to run Chinese restaurants? Because like both of us, we have like, um, we have friends or maybe we have family uh, who have a restaurant. And so it just like sort of became this thing where it's just like, we were asking ourselves a lot of questions based on like, you know, why is it such a problem? thing. And so we did some research um, and it all came down to like the Chinese Exclusion Act. And uh, we just like went down this rabbit hole of like, oh, wow, there's actually like a reason why like a lot of people ended up running restaurants because like, you know, they didn't have a lot of other jobs uh, back then for uh, for Chinese Americans or Chinese immigrants in general. Um, specifically in the U.S., there was the Chinese uh, Chinese Exclusion Act. Uh, in Canada, we have like a whole section on uh, on Chinatowns in the book as well. Uh, but our main focus, where we first started, was uh, the immigration into San Francisco. And so from there, we just like uh, did more uh, research on that, and we were thinking about like uh, what is this was this like manifest into right like the anxiety of uh of being an outsider the anxiety of uh being others like what does that look like okay so what if it's a paranormal thing what if it's a juncture um and so we started thinking about that um and that's sort of where it came into being so uh it, it was like a long process of like exploration and discovery so, so i'm curious how did the, the vampire aspect come into play Oh, so it's uh, it's a physical manifestation of like the anxieties uh, and the fears and all of these things uh, that come with like, you know, um, either like feeling excluded or feeling marginalized uh, and also like, you know, 
in the 1920s, it wasn't like the best time for people of color. And so we were using it as a metaphor. Oh, wow, that, that's fascinating. So in this game, uh, who, who can you be exactly? Like, are you, are you members of a, of a family that's running a restaurant? Yes, yes. So you uh, actually play the family who are running the restaurant. Um, and over time, if you uh, don't succeed very well at roles, uh, or if your roles, you know, don't go the way that, you know, are planned, you take on damage. And so as you take on stress or physical damage or psychic damage, uh, stuff on your character sheet actually gets covered up by cards. And so these cards, uh, they could be uh, Jiangshu cards or they could be Mong cards. So Mong cards are like nightmares and then uh, Jiangshu cards are Jiangshu cards. Uh, so as you cover them up, you start basically like taking on more and more traits of a Jiangshu. So like once everything has been covered up uh, on your character sheet, you can't use any of the items, you can't use any of your skills, you can't use any of your facets, but you take on these supernatural abilities. So characters can't die in the game. They can turn into Jiangshu, or sorry, uh, PCs can't die. So player characters can't die, but uh, they turn into Jiangshu and you can heal them back. Um, of course, with the consent of the player, if the player wants to play a Jiangshu, that's totally fine as well, uh, because I'm sure that like a lot of people love playing uh, supernatural horrors. Um, and so, yeah, that's sort of how it works. <laughs> so, so how does the the mechanics of the game work exactly? Is it, is it dice? I heard cards. Yes, yes, there are uh, there are dice, and so uh, the game itself is very um, tabletop board game inspired because uh, Sen, Sen Feng Lim, he has uh, a lot of background in board games, right? So he did junk art uh, and a whole bunch of other games uh, in the board game sphere. I do a lot of board game publishing. And so both of us wanted something tactile. So we wanted to take some tactile elements from board games and introduce that into tabletop role playing and make it feel like it's easy to understand like what's happening and have like uh, have visual elements and tactile elements for players to, to play from basically. And so uh, when we first started designing this game, we wanted something uh, that was very much inspired from our like or, you know, Chinese back backgrounds. And so we were experimenting with uh, these divination tools called Jiao Bei, and they're like these moon blocks. They're like these red uh, wooden moon blocks. And as we were playing around with them, we discovered that A, they're very expensive to manufacture, and B, they're also not very good in terms of like in a game sense. So like if you're rolling them or like playing with them, uh, chances of getting like a certain outcome are pretty slim. And so we decided, okay, let's just stick with dice. And so uh, we moved to D8s. And so you're rolling from a pool of D8s. And uh, the four is basically, anytime you roll a four, it cancels out the highest number. And so your next highest number would be the outcome. So for example, if you rolled, uh, say, three D8s or four D8s, four D8s, and you get like a, a one, a two, um, like a six and a seven, or sorry, a four and a seven. The four would cancel out the seven, and then your highest roll would therefore be a two. Um, and so it's like a, a, a dice pool system. And if you fail a roll, uh, the GM would give you a uh, an extra dice to your own individual pool. So you would have individual dice to spend as well. Oh, okay. Um... So this is a box set, is it? Or is it a book? It's a box set, yes. <laughs> oh, okay. So when someone gets it, what, what's inside exactly? 
So there's a lot of stuff actually. So um, let's start with the art prints. So you get two art prints. Uh, I believe one of them is uh, by Quan Chai Moria because Quan Chai did the, um, the, the cover of the book uh, and the box. Uh, the second art print I believe is from uh, Stephen Wu, who is our other artist who was working on uh, the interior art and the, um, the cover for the scenario booklet. You also have the rule book. So the rule book has everything in it, basically tells you how to play. You have your scenario book, uh, which I believe has, um, a, it has a bunch of different scenarios in it. I have to like remember how many exactly. I think it's 14 or 16. It's an even number, but it's a lot of scenarios. Um, and in the scenario book, uh, it gives you um, basically scenarios, not just from like, you know, uh, from a Chinese American background. It also has like um, other uh, other POC written, written rules and scenarios from their own backgrounds. So we have those. We have a deck of um, Mong cards. Uh, we have a deck of Jiangshu cards. We have a uh, we have a deck of restaurant cards because the restaurant itself is also a character. So we also have like a restaurant board um, character. I say that loosely, as in um, anytime you don't manage your chores, the restaurant itself also takes. Um, it's not damage. It's called neglect. So if you don't take care of the restaurant, it starts falling into neglect. And as it falls into neglect, if you cover all the slots on the restaurant, um, it'll stop giving you, you know, cool abilities and modifiers, and it'll also fall into decay. And that's one of the ways that the game can end. So uh, the first way that the game can end is if all players are like, okay, we're done playing, like, you know, the scenario is over, let's do something else. Uh, the second way that, you know, the game can end is by uh, the restaurant falling into decay. So we have a restaurant board, we have uh, the restaurant cards, it's got all the chores on it, uh, it's got an X card. Uh, we have three types of dice. Um, so you have gold dice and you have red dice and you have one white die. So the six uh, gold dice are D8s, the six uh, red dice are also D8s and the white die is a D4, and that is specifically for you to roll um, when you're collecting Hmong cards uh, between days. And if you like, uh, say you roll a one, you get one Hmong card, uh, so on and so forth. It also comes with four character sheets uh, that are dry erase. And so we have dry erase markers in the box as well. So players can just like, you know, if they don't like something on their character sheet or they're like, you know, playing a character and now they're, you know, switching over to something else uh, or a different scenario, they could just like erase everything and then redo their character sheets. Uh, we also have a pad of spirit paper. And uh, that is just like a pad of paper where basically uh, one of the mechanics in the game is players will, uh, basically, they will come together as a family and the GM will count down in their head, uh, counting down from like 10. And uh, the players will have to come up with a sentence or a phrase or like a motto that best describes what keeps their family together. And if they succeed, then they can uh, power through and use the spirit paper to go against the Jansha. And if they can't do it, then they can't use the spirit paper uh, within the allotted time frame. But usually I feel like it's okay for GMs to like count slower than they actually should or just like not count at all just for, you know, it, it just builds up that intensity. So, yeah. I, I, I love box sets. And uh, I, although I still love, of course, RPG books, uh, what, what made you decide 
to go in that route as I make this into like a box set and like, you know, uh, a handbook? Uh, it was a lot of things. So I think one of the elements to this was the tabletop element, right? So the tabletop, oh, sorry, the tabletop board game element, where we're just like, okay, we love board games. We want it to be tactile. We want all of this, all these cards. Um, and so the cards were important to us. Uh, and also having the the dry erase markers because we just like, you know, we we love character sheets and we love having them. It's just that they get so cluttered. Like for me, especially, it's just like, okay, I don't feel like printing stuff off. I'm okay with printing them off if I need to. But like, you know, in this case, it's just like a convenience type of thing, like an ease of use for the user. Uh, and so we're thinking a lot about like the end user, the end customer, like, you know, how are they going to manage this box set? Like, are they going to keep like, you know, printing stuff off all the time. And so we were thinking about that and we wanted to make it easier for the customer um, or the user or the player. Um, and that's one of the reasons why we wanted like it to be in a box set. We also just like wanted everyone to have all of the stuff um, so that, you know, they have all the different scenarios there with them uh, and they have, you know, the rule book and they have like everything there. So. That's, that's sort of the reasoning behind the box set. Also, it's three and a half pounds. It's like a ridiculous monster. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's talk about the artwork. I love the the cover art for the box. Mm -hmm. Thank it's you. gorgeous. Um, yeah. What can you talk a little bit about the art direction behind it? Oh yeah. So we worked with Quan Chai and he is a fantastic artist. Like, um, so we actually had a bunch of different artists for this game. Uh, so Quan Chai, who did the artwork for the cover of the box, um, he has done work for Dinosaur Island and several other board games. So he's like uh, pretty well established in board games. And so when we reached out to him, we were like, hey, you know, I know you're really busy would you be interested in doing a cover? And he's also Chinese. So he was just like, yeah, like, you know, of course we had to convince him. We had to like pitch the idea to him first because it doesn't take a lot of, um, he doesn't take a lot of projects like all the time. And so once he heard the pitch, he was just like, oh yeah, definitely. Like, this is definitely like really interesting to me. So yeah, I'll work on this. And so the process behind that was, um, he basically gave us two sketches and we, uh, we told him like, you know, all the stuff that we really liked. Uh, we had some touchstones for artists as well. We just like, you know, had some art pieces that we were thinking about. Uh, and we shared all of this in like a vision board. We were just like, this is all the stuff that we think is really cool go for it. And so uh, he went and did the two sketches, showed us two sketches. Um, we loved both of them, but we ended up choosing this one. Uh, and from there, we just like, you know, went back and forth on edits. He made the, he colorized it and everything. And uh, yeah, it, it's gorgeous. I love it. What type of uh, uh, Game Master tools do you have in there to help um, does Game Masters uh, understand the time period, the setting, uh, what's going on in the world around the restaurant? Uh, what what does the the box it have to offer? Yeah, so in the core rule book, um, the there are a bunch of different chapters. So um, one of the chapters basically outlines the history of um, it gives you like a timeline basically of uh, the 1800s to or the late 1800s to um, the time period that you're playing in, which is the 1920s. So it sort of gives you an idea of you know what has happened between um, you know the start of the uh, 
the Chinese immigration like into the U.S. Uh, to like the Chinese immigration, uh, Chinese Exclusion Act, to like you know all the stuff that's happened to like um, San Francisco's Chinatown, um, and to like you know the actual game. So it gives you a timeline of that. It also gives you an idea of like what the other Chinatowns in um, in different places were like. So we have Vancouver, we have Toronto, I believe, uh, we have San Francisco and New York. And like a little bit of history in there, we hired uh, Ross Chung, we hired um, Daniel Kwan, uh, we asked Kiana Shaw to like, you know, all these really like awesome people in the industry to like write and work with us. And, you know, we were lucky enough that they were just like, yes, we'll do it. Um, so we're really lucky in that regard. Um, and so we worked together with them to build the section out. Uh, in terms of like actual role playing stuff, we uh, made sure we had a section on how to role play as a uh, like a Chinese person. So like, you know, if you're playing a Chinese character, like how do you do that respectfully and how do you do that uh, without, you know, trying to uh, trying to like make it too stereotypical or anything like that. Obviously, people are going to make mistakes, right? Like everyone's going to make mistakes, but the matter of you know it's all a matter of like learning from those mistakes and not being too hard on yourself while still improving and still being understanding to like you know all the people around you right so we had uh we worked with james mendez hodes on that because uh when we initially wrote out this this uh the rule book we were just like okay like you know i feel like sen and i we were both feeling like we were probably missing something like we don't know how to like carry forth on this and so we talked to james mendez hodes and um mendez he was great he was just like actually i think you need this section like let's work out in this section together um and so we went back and forth on uh building out the section on how to play a chinese character uh respectfully we also worked with um, uh, one of my friends who actually, uh, her grandfather used to own a Chinese restaurant in New York. Uh, and so I started talking to her. We hired her on to do consulting for um, for doing, uh, for what it's like to run a restaurant, basically. Like, what, is it, what was a, a Chinese restaurant? What did it look like? What did they serve? Like, you know, what, um, what, you know, what was it basically like in the 19, uh, it was like, I think it was like the mid 1900s. And so like, I went back and forth with her, uh, her name's Sammy Lai, and we just like talked about it. Uh, she helped us write out a section as well. We talked to uh, Aaron Katnoseas, who also helped us with uh, writing out a section on how to role play as a service industry worker. And so um, he actually uh, works as a service industry worker. So we wanted his experience and we wanted it to be like, um, sort of like in a modern sense. So because he's doing it currently, we just wanted to get his idea, his uh, his ideas, his take, um, and integrate that into the book. So that way, you know, players, you're basically playing, you know, people who are, you know, who could be doing real things, right? These are like real, not like that they're real people, they are fictional people, but you are still taking on like, you know, people who uh, who are doing like, you know, real life things. So we wanted to be respectful in that regard. And we wanted to make sure that like, you know, players understand uh, what they're getting themselves into. And uh, we have a whole section on, you know, setting expectations, making sure that, you know, you use your X card if you're comfortable with it, uh, integrating lines and bales, all the calibration tools, um, and making sure that, you know, players know that they're there to build a story together. It's a collaborative experience. It's not, you know, one against the other. Uh, it's all, you know, everyone's there to, to make a fun story. If I may ask, I, I've noticed that 
like for Ravenloft, you also wrote about uh, Jiang Shi, and, and also um, I think in our, one of our discussions we talked about like um, Mr. Vampire. I, I believe that's yes. the name of the title. Yes, and uh, we talked about how the, you know about that movie. Um, uh, it, it, what is it about about these creatures that fascinate you so much? So I actually wrote, uh, co-wrote, co-designed Zhangshu with Sen before I started working on Ravenloft. And so after I, uh, after we kickstarted Zhangshu, uh, Wes actually reached out to me and was like, hey, do you want to write a thing for, for Ravenloft and have it be about Zhangshu? And I was just like, oh yeah, totally. And so um, I feel like that was sort of the jump into it, but also like, I love the creature itself. Like I love this idea of like a hopping corpse um, because that's what they are. They're just like hopping corpses and they're just like stealing energy from people. Uh, in later iterations, uh, they start, you know, sucking blood and doing all that stuff. But that's because like, uh, I, I think like uh, Cantonese horror at the time, it was like um, a lot of martial arts films, they were doing like the, they were into like, you know, the Jiangxi, like that phase, right? So they were doing that. Um, and they were like adding a little bit more of like the Western vampire into the take where they're just like, you know, hey, like, let's have them suck blood this time. Like, let's, let's integrate that in. And so you later on see like iterations of that. But I feel like I, I really like love these movies because they're comedic. It's like a comedic take on horror like I love like what we do in the shadows I love Shaun of the Dead uh Mr. Vampire Spooky Encounters they're all like very silly movies um and they're all like about a scary thing like the scary thing it it happens to hop which is like the most ridiculous thing um and like seeing it in action is just like really sort of like you're poking fun at the supernatural and this terrifying, right? But at the same time, it is like, you know, this unknown, this like undead unknown thing. And so you do have to be careful of it. So I, I think that's like one of the reasons why I love this this creature. <laughs> so this box is now out, right? It was, it was on Kickstarter and now it's available yes. for purchase. Where can uh, people find it? So I believe uh, we are still fulfilling it out to our backers. So people are still receiving it in, um, in the mail, uh, but uh, a few stores are carrying it now. Uh, we are doing distributions through uh, a few of our distribu distributors and wholesalers, um, but we are trying to move towards online retail. So um, once everyone's gotten their box set, once everyone's gotten all their stuff, we're going to have everything up on the website and uh, it should be www.gameinacurry.com where we're going to be selling copies. Oh, excellent. Is, is there anything that I haven't asked you about that you want to share about this project? Oh, um, I know I mentioned Quan Chai earlier. I do also want to mention like we have a whole bunch of other artists on the team and we also worked with uh, uh, a lot of other people, a lot of writers um, in the core rulebook. Uh, so in the core rulebook, we also worked with Lucian Khan, uh, Jenea Kemper on, um, on basically writing out like the social groups. So there are different social, there's a whole chapter on like different social groups of the time. And so we wanted to include um, definitely like, you know, all the different people that lived in Chinatown, but also like, uh, what's it like throughout the rest of, you know, for example, San Francisco, right? Um, and so like, what was it like being uh, being a person of color, you know, just hanging out in San Francisco in the 1920s? And so uh, we wanted to get a little bit of their uh, their take on their history and, you know, just write that out, right? 
So we were privileged enough to like work with them on um, on writing that section out. We also worked with um, a whole bunch of artists. Uh, Stephen Wu, I already mentioned, Stephen Wu did a majority of the art. So all of the interior art for, um, I believe, both the books. Uh, he also did the cover for the scenario book, like I mentioned. Um, and we also worked with uh, Joanne St. Laurent, who did a piece for the um, the scenario book. We worked with Jabari Weathers, who did some of the cards. We worked with Sadia Viz, uh, Sadia Viz, who we had on before on the show, uh, who I was working on a spur and consumption with. Um, and uh, we have, oh, uh, and my friend Robert Richburg, who I met through um, through art school. So he did a few pieces for us as well for, for the cards. Oh, and thanks. I think yeah, I think that's everyone. I know it's a lot of people, <laughs> but we, so I, I counted the other day, like how many people we had on the team exactly. We have 32, not including the publishers and Sen and me. <laughs> so yeah, 32 people in total. Um, and, oh, and also Amanda Call, Amanda Call uh, and Noel Tian. Uh, Nguyen. Uh, so Noel Tian worked on uh, a couple of the pieces inside the book um, and uh, Amanda called it uh, a map basically for the restaurant. So that way people can visualize like what it looks like. Oh, okay. If I may ask, is there any tentative plans for a sequel of sorts? We are thinking about it. Uh, we are um doing a few things behind the scenes that we can't exactly talk about but there are some hopefully big things that are coming our way okay okay excellent um i, I won't i won't uh, <laughs> uh press about it um but thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us about it um i'm really excited i i can't wait to see it at my store take care and we'll see you next time